My guest today is a model, dancer, choreographer, drag performer, and much, much more that's also a part of the House of Olive. You've seen them perform at places like House of Yes and Zero Space, and have seen their dance company, Hard Femme Dances, put on the show Disco Biscuits this past fall. I'm excited to have with me today the wonderful Ava Lanch. Hello. Wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I, f- I really do feel like I'm on NPR right now. So this is like a childhood dream come true. You left out in the introduction. I'm, I'm a raconteur, filmmaker, uh, good time Gracie, and uh, international woman of mystery. So that's I wear a lot of different hats and all of them are berets. So that is relevant to my first question. We, we went through quite a bit of titles. That, we, we did indeed. Yes. That are applicable to you. So... Of all the titles, do you have one that you tend to associate yourself most with? At the end of the day, I consider myself first and foremost to be a dancer and a performer. But also, as I have been making my own work and now that I have my dance company, Hard Femme Dances, which we'll get into later, I really have been finding myself stepping into a choreographer role. And that's something that I'm very comfortable with. I was I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine because I'm finding that the word drag queen doesn't really apply to me anymore. I don't think Mm -hmm. Uh, just because it's, it's such a gendered thing, but also because, because I do wear so many different hats that um, I think people have a preconceived notion of what drag queens do. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just be fit into one tiny little box. With, dancing is that something you've done all your life no it hasn't been all of my life I started when I was 13 so that's that's a little bit more than half of my life now and I moved to New York three and a half years ago to be a dancer it hasn't been into up until maybe about the last two years or so that I've really been able to make my living as a dancer and, and perform and choreograph as well when I got my BFA I was very like, oh, I'm going to be a dancer and that's just going to be it. I'm going to work with this company. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, that and the other thing. What I wish had been communicated to me more when I was doing my undergraduate was that there are other options Mm -hmm. and that you don't have to do just one sort of version of concert dance to be a dancer and that you can be in nightlife and that you can make performance art and you can do all sorts of other things and you can be a, a performer so actually, I think going back to your first question, I think the, the 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 role that I'm most comfortable with would be performer. Mm-hmm. It's just because I'm doing so many different things. When it comes to all your other interests, did they come out of dance or did they just kind of happen to happen? No. The answer to that question is no, because I have so many other different interests that are not specifically just dance. Mm-hmm. I always love dance and I always love going to see live performances and and I and I still very much consider myself to be a dancer but uh I'm also a an amateur fashion historian and I design wigs and I like makeup and uh there's so many other things that that are not related to dance but in the same way they kind of are because I think in my head all of my interests are always sort of in a when the way that I think about my interests or when I find something I'm really interested in is okay how can I use this? for whatever reason. So I taught myself how to style wigs because I I want to just learn how to do this so I don't have to have other people do it for me. And then that has sort of become its own thing that I do for myself and sometimes for other people. I have a second degree in history. So huh. I, yes, so I wanted to be a dance historian for a very long time and I still do, but I'm an amateur dance historian and a dramaturg and I do all the dramaturgy on my own work. I'm 
always learning. I'm always learning about something else, even if it's something that is completely new to me, then then I, I want to learn about as much of whatever the new interesting thing is to me as possible and then figure out how can I uh, use that in something else. Where'd you go to school? I got my undergraduate at the University of Texas at Austin, Huckham Horns. Oh, okay. I, I have a dance degree from a football school. I grew up mostly in Northern California in this town called Redding, mm-hmm. Redding, California, which is at the very, very tip of the Central Valley. And it's about two hours away from everything. So that's that's really where I grew up. Um, if you've ever seen Lady Bird, mm-hmm. basically that I, I saw Lady Bird in the theaters and I cried because I was like, this is me, except I'm the gay kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, got my undergraduate at University of Texas, met my best friend Philip there, and we've been friends now for almost 10 years. Two weeks after I graduated college, I moved to Berlin. And I was in Berlin for a year and a half. As one does. As one does. As one does. There's this thing about when you're in theater or when you're in the performing arts uh, and you're that's what you're studying at, at, for your undergraduate, there's sort of like this pressure to either go to L.A. Mm-hmm. or go to New York. Sometimes some people go to Chicago. And I knew that at the age of 22, like I could not I would not be able to survive in New York. Mm hmm. Because I didn't have that sense of like selfhood that you sort of need to have to, yeah. to live here and to be able to survive living in New York. I hate L.A., which is probably the most New York thing I could ever say. I hate L.A. Sorry mm-hmm. about it. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Never been to Chicago, so I don't really know too much. And I don't really know too much about what's going on over there. I knew that eventually I would end up in New York. But at first I was like, I'm going to go live in Berlin and go live my Sally Bowles dreams. How did you find coming to New York? Oh, my God. Uh, The first year of living in New York was the most difficult year of my life, Hmm. to be perfectly honest. And and that's something that 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 is something that I had been told was that that your first year in New York is always the hardest. But it's one thing to hear it. And then it's another thing to experience it. So and I I think about this all the time. If I had not had my best friend, Philip, who is I don't have any brothers, but he is the closest thing. He is my brother. Mm -hmm. He is my ride or die. Uh, If I didn't have him for that entire year, I probably would not have lasted in New York. I would have gone on to something else and I just would have run away because it's so hard here. Mm-hmm. And and living in New York is like, it's like you pack five years of existence anywhere else into one year because there's just so much that's going on and you, and you have to learn and grow with it. And if you don't, then ain't nobody here who's going to be able to to help you with that, unless you're getting, you know, bankrolled by your parents, but my parents weren't doing that. Yeah. What was also really fortunate was that I fell madly in love with my now ex-partner a, a, a month into moving into the city, hmm. and we were together for a year and a half, and that was that was also another thing that really, really helped get me through the first year. For people at home maybe not entirely familiar with your work, how mm-hmm. would you describe your aesthetic, both... When you're performing, and mm-hmm. you're not performing. When I, okay, so uh, my company is called Hard Femme Dances. That's mm-hmm. femme with two M's. And I named it that because I'm just a hard femme who's out there looking for my soft butch. Mm-hmm. The past two years of living in New York for me have been a, a voyage of discovery in terms of changing my identity and coming to recognize that I am non-binary, mm-hmm. which is putting into words something that I've always felt and understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about reclaiming my power mm-hmm. because I feel powerful right now wearing a bedazzled cardigan and lady slacks and as bright. you should thank you so much thank you I like to joke that I am the bastard stepchild of Lipsenka and Pina Bausch <laughs> so <laughs> that's and that's that's a whole lot to unpack there uh, my company and the work that I make and the work that I 
want to continue to make has a very, very drag-influenced aesthetic Mm -hmm. and a drag sensibility and a camp sensibility. Our most recent show, Disco Biscuits, Mm -hmm. was a queer retelling of The Rite of Spring, Mm -hmm. but we used disco music instead. For those of you who are listening, you don't know the story of The Rite of Spring. The Rite of Spring is a story about an ancient Russian pagan tribe that comes together to celebrate the coming of the spring, but in order for spring to come, a virgin has to dance herself to death. Now, as somebody who is an international good time Gracie, (laughs) I have been in situations where I have seen people overdose uh, because they were dancing too hard or Mm -hmm. they just they weren't taking care of themselves in the way that that, that they need to take care of. And and so I've been in I've been in parties and I've been in situations where like everything is really, really fun until it's not. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I need to get out of here. So so I wanted to make a piece about that, but I also wanted it to be about performativity and I wanted it to be about genderfuckery and sexuality and um, people's idea and obsession with like fame and being a part of the in crowd and being like in the fashion pack. So disco was a really, really great way for me to sort of be able to explore that. Mm-hmm. But the reason why, specifically why I was like, it has to be disco is because I've been going to this party for two years now called wet noise and Mm -hmm. wet noise is a monthly filthy disco soul and funk party. They play vinyl. There's a no cell phones rule and people just go to there to dance. It's my church Mm -hmm. and I've been going to it for two years and and I've just been made a host. So if you want to, thank you. I'm very, very excited about it. So this is a plug for wet noise. We're having one (laughs) later on in the month and you can follow them across social media at wet noise. So it was like, it was these two things. It was my favorite party and my favorite ballet that I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a piece using these. The very beginning, there's this opening number and the, the opening number is called showtime. And there's this character, and she's singing these. She's lip syncing to these lyrics of like, "It's showtime, everybody get ready to get down," uh, and it's just sort of like setting up the exp- the world mm-hmm. of of the show. And she has these lyrics like, "Thank you very much for the round of applause. I'm your MC, and we're just about ready to start the show." And then we have a drink ballet, so people are fighting over bottles of tequila and pouring shots. Mm-hmm. And then things really start to take a downturn. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away. <laughs> But things start really start to take a downturn about the middle of the show, and by the end of it, all of us are dancing around in bedazzled thongs, and we have found our chosen one, who is wearing this beautiful, beautiful diamond necklace. Like, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and that's sort of like her, like her sacrificial robe, mm-hmm. as it were. So she puts that on, and she becomes sort of the queen of us, but she's also... The sacrifice. So at the very end of the work, she's dancing herself to death to the song by Loliella Holloway called The Greatest Performance of My Life. Mm-hmm. And it starts off and she and like Loliella Holloway has she's she's got some pipes, and that's an understatement. She's singing tonight, I gave the greatest performance of my life. I never lost control. I played the part so well that not a single soul could tell that I was lying. And that was like that was also another commentary on performativity that I really liked, but it's also like it. This song slaps. Uh-huh. Like there's this there's this long drawn out intro where she's just singing belting a cappella, but then like that beat comes in and like we're we're all dancing around her and we're like sacrificing her and she's dancing herself to death. And then we we finish the show. Um, we're all gathered around her and we have all got one hand extended. We slowly I'm doing this as I talk about it because I'm such a dancer. So we've got one hand extended and we, we uh, gesture to the audience and then we're lip syncing to the final um, phrase of the song, which is come on and dance with me. And and then we're just whispering at the very end, come on and dance with me, come on and dance with me, 
come on and dance. And it just goes to this this really nightmarish place. How does one get such an opportunity? Specifically, how does one get a dance company? I have been extraordinarily lucky with the dancers who are who who uh, who I get to work with. I founded the company a year ago with my with a former classmate of mine. His name is Hunter. Uh, I met him when I was 21. He was 18. I was a senior. He's a freshman. And I remember meeting him because he had bright green hair. Mm. And he was just like the sassiest, fiercest little thing you ever did see in your entire life. And I was like, this kid is going places. So I graduated. And then he... And then he's, he stuck around, obviously, because he had to finish his degree. I just ran into him at this audition, and then I had been asked to make a duet for this place in Park Slope called Spoke the Hub. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Hunter. Hunter was the, f- the first and the only person I asked. Cause it was like, I need to work with you because he has grown so much, and he's in Israel right now because he's a star, mm-hmm. and he's dancing with his company. I miss you very, very much. I hope you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Come back to me. <laughs> um, so he agreed to make this duet with me. We made this duet called After You've Gone. And uh, we made it in the summer of 18. We were both going through, we were both ending our first adult long-term relationships. Mm. And we were like, we were going through it. We were really going through it. And so we were like, we need to make, we need to make something about this to, to, to process what's going on in our lives. And so we made this piece called After You've Gone. And the, the simplest way that I can describe it is it's about two clowns that fall in love and then they fall out of love over the course of an evening. Mm. So we made that into a 15-minute live performance and you can you can watch that on youtube but then we also adapted it into a 10 minute film which you can also watch on youtube the film is far and away one of the best things i've ever done in my life and it's going to outlive me and i'm very very proud of it we so we took the 15 minute live performance and we narrowed it down to 10 minutes and we shot it all in one day at bazaar bushwick pour one out for bazaar bushwick god Damn, was that an amazing venue. For those of you listening at home, if you don't know what Bizarre Bushwick is, Bizarre Bushwick is, was this phenomenal drag burlesque performance venue in Bushwick, right off the Myrtle Myrtle Broadway stop. Sasha Velour got her start there. And it was like, it was this just amazing space. And it had everything that we needed for, for, this, for this film. There was a dressing room that we shot in. There was a stage that we shot in. We, we shot in the bar. There was like, there's a scene where I'm lip syncing and I'm in the uh, the tech booth, and he's dancing on stage, and I'm lip syncing this very, very beautiful ballad as he's dancing. The, the entire reason why we actually shot there, why we chose that place specifically, was because there's a scene in the middle of that movie where Hunter and I are um, having a private moment, I'll just say, in the bathroom. And that bathroom is floor-to-ceiling mirrors, but it's very, very cramped, and I wanted it to feel sort of funhousey and mm-hmm. very David Lynchy, because it's this moment where we're confessing our love. Well, I confess my love to him, but he's like, "I don't love you," and then that turns into a fight, and we're crawling around on the walls and and lifting and turning and goopery, gaggery, straight up tomfoolery. After that, after we made the movie, I knew that I wanted to make what would become Disco Biscuits, and. I knew that I wanted it also to be more than two people. I, I was really like, I want it to be 10 people yeah. because I'm a masochist. Mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to like, just give myself that stress. No, but it was it was actually really, we made, we made Disco Biscuits in four months. And we ended up having a cast of nine. And everybody was a tremendous, is, is a star. Anybody in that show is a star. We've got people who are in Sleep No More. 
Mm-hmm. We have people who work at the House of Yes, myself included. We have people who work with me at Zero Space. We have other dancers and friends that I know just from around town that I've seen in class or I've seen them perform. And I was like, you have something special and I want to work with you someday. And I don't know when it's going to be, but one day I want to work with you. And then it was like, oh, okay, it's here. Like we, I applied for... To, to make this work for around for, to a couple of theaters around town and then Triskelion Arts, which is this gem of a little theater in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, was the first people to say, yes, we want you and we'll give you we'll give you the subsidized rate and we'll give you we'll put you on a split bill in October. You've got four months to do it. Great. So then I just started asking friends. It was like, hey, you, do you want to do this with me? Do you want to do this with me? And, and, and people said yes. But I didn't have it cast fully cast until July. And the last person that I added this this is really this is this is this is a funny story um so we were doing a performance of the house of yes like we had some moments that had been choreographed but we didn't have the entire show choreographed and at the time i think we only had maybe seven performers cast and so we do the show at the house of yes we actually end up doing two shows we do a 9 30 show and then we do a 1 30 show well that's four hours with nothing to do and what are you gonna do have at the house time. of yes you yes you are house of yes you are going to have a good time so we had 4 hours just waiting around and it was like i was like i'm here to party i'm going to dance and i'm going to drink so i drank this kid came up to me and i was i was in a different dimension at this point so he comes up to me he's like oh my god i love the show and you this is i just moved here from arizona and this is everything i've ever wanted to see and i want to see more of this and and i i was just like are you a dancer? <laughs> he was like, yes, yes, I, I, I love this. And I was like, great. Do you want to you wanna come into a rehearsal sometime and just see if it fits? And he was like, yes, oh my God, here's my name. So we got, I, got his, I got each other, we got our contact information. <laughs> and the next morning, the next day was 4th of July and I woke up with a very, very patriotic hangover. God bless America. Yes. And, and, I, and I looked at my phone and I was like, oh. <laughs> shit <laughs> I'm gonna like this kid is gonna come into rehearsal I've never seen him dance before I don't know what to expect what am I gonna do if he's bad like what am I gonna do if it's just like oh this isn't a fit so next rehearsal he comes in and I'm ready to I'm so prepared to be like hey this is not this isn't gonna work out I'm so sorry stay in touch no and he's a star <laughs> and like we we just started improvising and I was like oh Oh, this kid is a star. Thank God. This is like so much relief, but also just like excitement that like this happened. So, but um, friends, if you're listening, anyone who's listening to this, do not, do not, do not cast your shows that way. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. Learn from me. As someone that choreographs mm-hmm. things, where does one get inspiration? From my dancers. It's, it's my dancers, really. I when I what I the way that I work is is very very collaboratively. Um, because I know that I don't like coming into a rehearsal when I'm just an instrument mm-hmm. who who doesn't think. So because I, I think that that's I think that's rather unfair, because that means that you're not actually really using the people in the room. Mm. So so I always 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 100% use my dancers. I will come in with an idea. I will come in with prompts about how this is this is how we're going to generate movement, but I have no idea what it's going to look like. Uh, there are just certain there are just certain things that I've learned over the years uh, working with other choreographers who work that way. That I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to use this to generate movement. But it's my dancers always 100. percent They they because because I think to not use the people in the room is a, a huge disservice 
to the people that you're working with. And I think that's also just very narcissistic mm-hmm. when you when, like to presume that like I'm the choreographer. This is uh, and so it's it's my way or the highway. I think that's that's not a, that's not a fun energy to work around mm-hmm. to work with. Um, but yeah, use I've said this so many times, but like you have to use the people who are in the room because otherwise I wouldn't have hired them if I didn't think that they had a voice. At the end of the day, the final say is mine mm-hmm. and the vision is mine. Yeah, but I can't come in knowing all the answers. I can I can come in with as much research and as much dramaturgy and as much of an idea laid out as much as I want. But when it comes to movement and, and, and choreographing and setting things and editing and moving things around, I don't have all the answers and I, and I wouldn't expect myself to, Mm -hmm. there have been really, really wonderful moments that have come out of days when I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I was going to walk into that. I had, there was one day in the middle of the summer, I was having a really, really bad day and I just didn't know. I had no idea. I was so drained. I didn't know what I was going to be doing in this rehearsal. And it came to me on the train. I was like, you know what, you know what's really missing from this piece about a party? We need a party dance. So I came into rehearsal with my dancers and I was like, this is what's going on. This is where I am today. We're going to make a party dance mm-hmm. to, to make to make us feel better <laughs> about yeah. this and, and give this like the sense of humor that we need. And then like the that was such a rewarding experience to come in and then and then they made up something they made up something really, really wonderful and funny. And that was exactly what I needed. So it, these dancers are, are truly, truly amazing. And I, I love all of them dearly. I could just keep gushing. I will keep gushing if, if you don't make me stop. <laughs> Is there a number, piece, or performance that you've seen that you wished you had come up with? Oh, my God. It's not so much that I wish that I had come up with it, but there's definitely stuff that resonates with me. And I will see things and I'm like, I want to make something on that level mm-hmm. in the future. Um, I was watching this really amazing piece by Crystal Pite called Betroffenheit, and it's a full, I think the first half is 40 minutes, and the second half is also 40 minutes, and it's and it's storytelling, um, but it's also just this beautiful movement, and these dancers are stars, and they will come, like, if they, they come to the ground, no sound, no sound whatsoever, and they, but they're so fierce, and they have such a such a strong sense of self. So I was watching that, and I was taking notes on that about like this is this is the quality of movement that I want to be able to to make, mm-hmm. um, because it's so effortless. But it's also what I really appreciate about choreographers like Johannes Wieland and Crystal Pite and Maxine Doyle, and so many others. What I really really appreciate about these choreographers is that it's sort of like puzzles. Mm-hmm. They they get these dancers into these these very very contorted not contorted complicated situations Mm -hmm. but they make it look so effortless Mm -hmm. and it's it's sort of like going on a roller coaster as well so it's like oh i know that you are in control but i have no idea where this is going and that's what's so thrilling about it so i don't know if there's anything that i've ever seen that i was like oh i wish that i had thought of that Mm -hmm. um because i i will watch something and i'll be like oh this is maybe something that i can come back to for inspiration or look to or, or think about or write about or meditate on what is the thing about it that I love so much. What I love about Pina, Pina Bausch, and what I love about Lipsinka is that they both have a great sense of humor. Some people might not think that about Pina Bausch, but because uh, her work tends to be very, very grim. But I think I, I think that Pina has a very, very sophisticated sense of humor that I greatly appreciate. 
and, and I want to be able to take that. But it's also ex- extremely absurd. But the movement is also, it's so beautiful and it's, and it's sweeping and it's grand and it's, sometimes it's very, very stark and it's very pedestrian as well. And Lipsinka, again, for those of you who are listening, you don't know who she is. First of all, look her up. Specifically, go watch Lipsinka at Boy Bar in 1993. I, it's been seen like 40 some thousand times. I think I've watched it like 20,000 times. Mm-hmm. I know every word to that. Because Lipsinka was the first drag performer to do that thing that every drag queen does now. Well, they'll be doing a number and then like a phone will ring in the middle of it. And then they'll pick up and they'll be they'll lip sync to some track from from a movie. Mm-hmm. Lipsinka did that first. Lipsinka did that best. Uh-huh. Nobody can touch her. But she has a very she has a very, very refined and smart sense of humor that it goes to these extreme places and they're almost operatic in scale. But what I greatly appreciate about it is that it's never misogynistic mm-hmm. in the way that drag can sometimes be problematic and misogynistic. Uh, and, and that's also, so that's always been a goal of mine is to never, ever, I never, ever want to go into, I don't ever want to make work that makes people feel bad. I want to make work that will, that people can find something of themselves. And even if they're not a drag queen, even mm-hmm. if they're not in drag or even if they've never partied until seven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not speaking from personal experience. I have no idea what that's like, but you know, I always want to make work that people can see something of themselves in and enrich themselves in. With that, where can the people find you, follow you, see you and or consume your media? Okay, wow. Uh, we <laughs> That's a lot. Um, so you can follow me across social media. Uh, you can follow my company, Hard Femme Dances. That's H-A-R-D-F-E-M-M-E Dances. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, at Instagram. You can tell that I was a spelling bee kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you can also follow my personal Instagram. It's avalanche underscore of underscore beauty, which is where I take my drag name from, avalanche, um, which is very, very recent. I only tried that on a couple of months ago, but I think it's a much better fit Mm -hmm. than uh, my former drag character, Miss Bankhead, (laughs) Miss Calandra Bankhead. Uh, She's not dead. She's just... She's just visiting Peru. Um, so you can follow us across those social medias. You can follow me on, if you follow the hashtag, House of Olive, H-A-U-S of Olive. Uh, you, I will pop up there. Um, let me see here. What else? You can you can go watch After You've Gone, and you can go watch Disco Biscuits on YouTube. You just type in my name, Kelsey Rondo, R-O-N-D-E-A-U. Christ, I really am such a spelling bee kid. Um, <laughs> No, that's for the best. <laughs> you can just type in Kelsey R after you've gone, and you can go see those those videos if you really want to. Please do. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm in the process of building a website, so there's going to be there's going to be much much more. Um, in terms of seeing live performances this evening, the evening that we're recording this, I'm going to be with my company with Hard Femme Dances at the House of Yes. Uh, we're we're doing a takeover for Glitterbox. This uh, isn't coming out today. So. That's, that's totally fine. We're doing another one on the 21st of December. So it, come through. Please come through. You can also just find me at the House of Yes. You can find me at the House of Yes. I'm go going there or just having fun there. Uh, you can find me at Wet Noise, which is a monthly party. The dates usually vary. But if you follow them on social media, it's just Wet Noise. You can do that and keep up with me there. Perfect. Thank you so much you for can, your time. Thank you. Oh, oh wait. Oh, no, oh I, I my Venmo is also Kelsey-Rondo-1. So call me by my Venmo name. Hi. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. This is a dream come true.